This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 7. That's toward the beginning of your Bible. 1 Samuel chapter number 7. We had a great time in the 815 service. Lives changed. God doing some amazing things. And, and, and I just want to prepare our hearts to understand what God is saying to us. All right, let's bow our heads today. Father, thank you for today. And Lord, we're glad you let us be here today. Thank you that your presence is here. And we have gathered in the name above all names. There is no name like Jesus. And you do change everything. Now let your word change our hearts and our souls. And change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So to understand where we're about to go in this verse, we're in a series that we've been using out of Exodus chapter number 30, verse number 1 that says, Make an altar. And that our lives are altered at the altars. It's when we get along with God. It's, it's when we, we met Jesus at an altar and He saved our soul. It's when we, we got along with God and we just poured out our heart that everything began to change. And I want you to know that everything can change for your life. God can rewrite. There is no obstacle. I just want you to, to get this. I, I don't care how big your obstacle is and how bad the, the, maybe the chip on your shoulder is about that obstacle. No obstacle is too great that my God can't change it. Nothing is beyond His ability. We talked about that last week. We put obstacles where we should be putting offerings. Where we ought to be saying, God, I give you my heart, my soul, my life. We just keep building these obstacles. But we have to understand that at an altar we can embrace the presence of God. You see, that's been God's plan all along. They said to Jesus, they said, why are you here? And he said, I have come to seek that which has been lost. What was lost? The ability for God to walk with man was lost. In the garden with Adam and Eve, God would come and he would walk with Adam. He would walk with Eve. He would commune with them. And when sin came, a division came, and God no longer could walk with man because in their sinful, frail state, in the state that could die, it would have ended their life for the presence of God to have walked with them. So yet God wanted to dwell among His people. And so in order that God could dwell among His people, He established three different systems, as it were, three different places that God said, that's where I'll dwell. The very first place that, that God would dwell, and we saw different places where God would reveal himself, but the place where God would dwell was that the children of Israel were instructed to build an ark, and we call it the Ark of the Covenant. And as they would build this Ark of the Covenant, this box that was inlaid with, with gold and had these special carrying uh, instruments and had these cherubim on it, and, and on top of that was the mercy seat that was called, that, that God's presence dwelled between those cherubim on top of that, that box. And God gave them very specific uh, regulations. He said, you're not to touch it, you're not to do this with it, this is how you're to treat this, because this is my presence among you. And we're going to pick up there in just a few moments, but I, I want you to understand that was how God was among his people. And then after uh, some time, I actually had sat with, uh, at dinner with the uh, uh, 
secretary of antiquities for the, the nation of Israel. And, and I had asked him a question. I said, well, how goes the search for the Ark of the Covenant? And I, I was actually a little embarrassed with the response that he gave me. He said to me, he said, you Christians and your desire for the Ark. He said, we Jews no longer want the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is worthless to us. He said, you don't even understand the, this gospel, this message that you preach. He said, if you read the words, you would understand that when Solomon dedicated the temple, that the presence of God left the ark and filled the temple. He said, that's why to the Jewish person, the rebuilding of the temple is essential because that is where God's presence dwells. That is where God came and dwelt among the men of earth and they could come and seek him in his presence. And that's where God's presence dwells to us Jewish people. That's why we want to see the temple rebuilt someday. That's why we want to see so we can get back into the presence of God. But you see, even in his rebuke, I knew something beyond that that he had not yet come to realize because God had dwelt on the ark and God did move into the temple. But then the Bible says on the day that Pentecost had fully arrived is Acts chapter 2. On the day that Pentecost had fully arrived, listen, don't that mean is that any good person who believed in God would not have been at some down the way upper room. They would have been right central in the temple of the Lord because how any good believer during that period of time would welcome in the day of Pentecost was you would go to the temple and just, just droves and thousands of people would get as close as they could and they would read the word of the Lord all night long until the day arrived. And when they read the word all night long and then the day arrived, oh, I feel God as I'm talking to you. The Bible says that some Suddenly, there was a sound as a, much, a rushing mighty wind that filled the house in which we were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the presence of God dwelt on the ark, dwelt in the temple, but after the veil was torn, the Bible tells us that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to live inside of you, that God had accomplished what he wanted, that God no longer had to be maintained over here where you couldn't be touched, but God could walk with us and talk with us again. So you have to understand that to get the significance of what we're going to find in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 2. It says, from that day, the ark, the ark represents what? The presence of God. The ark represents what? Presence of God. From that day, the ark, the presence of God was lodged at Kiriath-Jermin. A long time passed. Now watch this. Here's the presence of God. And they pushed it to the side for a long time. For a long time, the presence of God, they knew where it was, but they didn't want it front and center in their lives. For a long time, they knew how to connect with the presence of God, but they didn't want, as a matter of fact, it tells us how long, about 20 years. For 20 years, they knew where God's presence was, but they wouldn't go to where God's presence was because they were too busy living their own lives. They were just happy knowing where God's presence was. But thanks be to God that we are created to walk with him and talk with him and to have him in our lives. And so we cannot be satisfied just knowing where he is. At some point, all the house of Israel began to lament after the Lord. They said, it's not just enough to know where he is. We need to touch him. It's not just enough to know about him. We need to experience a move of God for ourselves. It's not just enough to say that God's over there. We need to go bring the presence of God back into the center of our lives. Enough is enough. 
Too long we have allowed obstacles and trials. And some of you are going, Pastor Don, how does this apply to my life? Can I tell you that we've not been out building statues to worship in place of the presence of God. But as long as we know where the presence of God is, we have carved a statue called self. And we've not sought God first. We've sought ourselves first. We've sought our own pleasure first. We've sought our own ways first. And instead of honoring the face of God, can I tell you that if you would build yourself an altar and get in the presence of God, everything else in your life would come into life. Everything else would change. Pastor Don, you feel like if we pray about it, things might happen. Can I tell you? Yes, I do. I think if you pray about it, God would do something amazing in your life. Amen. But when you go after the presence of God, watch out. Verse number five is right around the corner. Then Samuel said, all right, you want the presence of God? Gather all Israel at Mizpah, okay? All Israel at Mizpah. And I will pray to the Lord for you. You want God's presence? Meet me at Mizpah. That's important. We're going to come back around to that. And I will pray to the Lord for you. All right, yeah, we want God. How many of you would say that with me? We want God. We want a move of God in this generation. We want a move of God in our lives. We, we, we're tired of just knowing where God is. We want God front and center of our hearts and souls. Come on now, amen. I feel this. As awesome as that is, listen to what happens. So he says, okay, you want God? Meet me at Mizpah. Meet me at this very specific place. So they gathered at Mizpah, and they drew water. That's what we talked about last week. They drew water in the desert and poured it out at this precious, this precious thing. They poured out an offering before the Lord, and they fasted on that day and said, watch this, we have sinned against the Lord. If you're going to have a move of God, you're going to have to get honest with yourself. Okay, just waiting on you. You're going to have to get honest with yourself about what has kept God's presence too far from you. Is it pain? Is it unforgiveness? Are there weaknesses and struggles in your life that have kept God from being front and center in who you are? If you want a move of God and you're tired, you're tired of hearing about what he did in that revival and you're ready for him to revive you. You're going to have to be honest with yourself and Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Before God could do what God wanted to do, the people had to get right with God. It's true. They had to say, okay, God, we know that our lives are out of line with you, and we want our lives to get back into line with you. Because we're tired of you being out here, and I've, I, I, you're the air that I breathe. You're my hope. You're my joy. You're my peace. You're the one who rescues me in my storm. You're my ever-present help in my day of trouble, and I can't live any longer with you over there. And so I need to figure out why I've been comfortable with you over there. And the reality is there's something in my life that shouldn't be there, so God, take it out. Praise God. I, I'm glad you're not amening any better because the way I feel, I might actually get carried away. So Samuel judges the people of Israel. Let me just tell you, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, because if you decide you want the presence of God in your life and you decide you're going to let God clean you up so that the presence of God can move in your life the way God wants to move in your life, you better get ready because when you start seeking God, now when, now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mitzvah, 
When the enemy heard they were getting the presence of God back, when the enemy heard if they get the presence of God back, I won't be able to control them anymore, take taxes out of their life, I won't be able to do for them what I want to do with them anymore because they're about to have God move in their life. Can I tell you something? The reason the enemy rises up when you start getting close to God is because he doesn't want to let you go. But when you get in the presence of God, he has to let you go because God is greater than the enemy that tries to hold you. So the enemy hears this. So they, the lords of the Philistines, they come up against Israel. Watch this. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Stop right there for just a moment. They were afraid of the Philistines. Can I tell you? I get it. You just want more of God. And the next thing you know, you say, God, I want more of you. And you're just trying to clean your life out. And the next thing you know, all hell breaks loose on your life. Let's be honest about it. As long as you're living with that sin, as long as you let that hate, that struggle, that anger, that lust, that perversion, those problems, that, that bitterness, those cursings, those things, as long as you just let them run rampant in your life, everybody's happy. God's over there. You know where he is if you need him. But now all of a sudden you want God in your life. You want a move of God in your life, in your family, in your church. So you go start drilling, I mean, bringing God in. You start reeling him in. And as you're reeling in the presence of God into your life, you're changing who you are. And then the devil goes, whoa, whoa, whoa I can't let this happen. And none of us wants to fight that battle. None of us wants to do that. None of us wants to go through that struggle. None of us. We just want God. And the enemy arises. Can I tell you that usually he's attacking us from places that we let him build in our lives? And here's what the enemy wants you to do at that moment. Are you ready? To go, oops, sorry, let's put everything back to normal. Am I making sense? Okay, let, let, no, you stay over there, God, and I'm going to go back to doing like I was doing. And so, I, I mean, I knew who you were, and, and, and if I needed you, I just got a little chill bump feeling. Go down there to that War Hill Church. God moves in that place. You'll feel him in there. Too. I mean, whoo. But instead, some people retreat, and others turn and prepare to fight. But God's going to show up for the people of Israel here because they didn't retreat and they didn't prepare to fight. But instead, the people said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that He may save us from the hand of the Philistines. When you want a move of God, when you're hungry, I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm speaking to you today, when you're hungry for a move of God in your family, when you're hungry for a move of God in your generation, don't back down, don't retreat, and don't start fighting with everything in you. Instead, find yourself a place to get a hold of God and keep praying, keep believing, keep reeling in the presence of God because God's going to show up and God's going to move for you. God's going to do something great in your life. Amen. And so... Samuel took an offering, a nursing lamb, and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. I know that's hard to hear, but there has to be a sacrifice to get in the presence of God. And not the same type of sacrifice in that day, because we have had one make a sacrifice to end all sacrifice of that kind. But you've got to be willing to give up something if you want to go up somewhere with God. And so Samuel cried out to the Lord God for Israel. And I, this is the part I love. 
And the Lord answered him. Can I tell you? Stop trying to fix it on your own. Stop trying to just manipulate God into your life and just start pulling in the presence of God. Start worshiping. Start praying. Start drawing on the Word. Start believing God's promises. And then God's going to show up. And the Lord showed up for them. Because as Samuel, not, not, not later, watch this, verse number 10. As when? As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the enemy rises up. The Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord, who? The Lord, who? The Lord Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against them. And watch this. And and it threw the Philistines and they go into this confusion and they were defeated before Israel. Before they could take the ground, they kept their face on God. And when they kept their face on God, God said, all right, I'll clean up the mess so that all you have to turn around and do is walk in the victory I've already given you. See, most of us are trying to clean up the mess to give God the victory, but God says, I am the victor. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Come on now. Amen. God is the one who wants to fight the battle. And God's given you a job to call on his face. Am I making sense to anybody today? And the men of Israel, watch this, went out from where? Mizpah. Now this is what I want you to notice here. And they pursued the the people of of the Philistines and they struck them down as far as Beth-Kar, the house of Kar. And, and this is what I want you to see. They went out from Mizpah. Then Samuel took a, a, a stone and set it up between Mizpah and, and, and Shinlan and called its name, here's the word, Ebenezer. For he said, this is what it means, till now the Lord has helped us. In other words, look what God has done. Listen to me carefully. What we need to understand from all of this is God being over here is not acceptable. And the way you're going to get God right back where He belongs is by going to your mispa. Okay? Because you can't do the will of God without the ark or the presence of God. And so you have to find your way to your mispa. And Mizpah is the word that the name means watchtower. Okay? It means watchtower. So if you want to move God from here to here, what you need to do is go to your Mizpah, your watchtower. You see, the reason you go to a watchtower is because you've already seen God intervene there. You go back to where your faith doesn't have to be found, but where you're remembering what God's already done. Now, my mispa, my watchtower, is my home study. I can pray around here, but when I want to get a hold of God, I walk through that door, and I close it behind me, and I fall on my face, and these words come out of my mouth. I say, living God. The living God. 
I call on the name of the Lord at my mispah, at my watchtower. Why? Listen to what Habakkuk said about it in Habakkuk chapter 2. He said, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He says, look, I'm coming to the place I know that I can see God. Why? Because a watchtower, watch this, a watchtower is a place to where you went up. The shepherds would have watchtowers over the grazing field. There, like in Bethlehem, they would have watchtowers over the grazing field so they could see. And because the one in the watchtower, watch this, could see the furthest and they could see first. Watch that. They could see the furthest and they could see first. If you want a move of God, you need to be able to get to a place to where you can see beyond all of the attack of the enemy and you can get your mind on bringing God back into your life. And the place that's going to occur is in a watchtower, a place to where you get along with God. And that's why you need to rebuild the altar of your life. That's why you need to be altered at the altar is because you say, I'm going to the place. I know that God hears me. I know that God speaks to me. My mom had a little altar out back of a little white house down in the middle of the woods and she'd take us boys down to that altar and we'd get a hold of God down at that altar. That's where I learned to pray. I learned to pray beside my daddy. I'm looking for somebody who's ready to teach a generation how to bring God's presence back over to Mizpah because we built an altar in the presence of God. One of the greatest things that occurs at a watchtower, and that's why Samuel was able to do what he was able to do and God moved and delivered, is because at a watchtower, it's where you call out for somebody's safety. And we need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need the presence of God. But listen to me carefully. I'm about to close. I want you to get this today. We need a move of God. They asked the Archbishop of Canterbury, and some of you are going, well, what, who does he have to do with anything? They're having a revival among the Church of England right now that, 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 this, that this work that they call dead, they thought they had buried him. Come on now, but now Jesus is rising in England right now. And as Jesus' glory is rising in the church, they came to the, the head of the Church of England just recently, and they said to him, they said, uh, what should every believer do if they want a move of God in their life? Are you ready for this? This is simple. What should every believer do if you want a move of God in your life? And the Archbishop of Canterbury said this, you should have three people that you are praying for who don't know Jesus that they might find Jesus. You go, wait, what does that have to do with the revival? What does that have to do with the move of God? Well, that's what Jesus came for, to restore that which was lost, that he might be able to walk with every one of us and talk with every one of us. And so let me just tell you, people bring me in, the, and they're like, Pastor, your church is growing. You know, all these campuses, all these things happening. Tell us what God's doing. I say, here's what you need to know. Are you ready for this? Win souls. But Pastor, tell us about structure and organ. No, 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 no. Win souls. But Pastor, we don't, we, we don't understand. No, win souls. Win souls, win souls. And they're like, but pastor, I don't get it. Let me just explain it to you. If you've got somebody in your church that's been praying for their grandchild for a really long time and you watch them come in and get saved in that house, suddenly a fire lights in that grandparent because they see God move. And when they see God move, they know their misfit prayer has been answered. And when we start seeing God move, then God starts moving all around us. And then more people will get caught up in the move of God. But listen to me, that's what you need. You need to start interceding at your mispah for somebody else. One, somebody in your family, somebody on your job, and somebody beyond your normal world. Start calling their name. I believe God, I believe God will get a hold of their life. They'll be like, I don't know who's praying for me, but they need to stop. 
And you keep praying until they find their way to their mitzvah. And they get a hold of God. Pastor Don, I want to see God move in my family. Get on your knees before God. God wants to move in this generation. But we've got to move him from Kiriath Jermin to Mitzvah to our altars. We've got to bring him back center in our lives. Until that moment happens, we're in trouble. You keep obeying God. That sound means something to me. Because at an altar, I learned to pray, listen to my mom and dad pray. You need to teach your kids to pray. Gather your children, your grandchildren, gather your family. Call upon the name of the Lord. I watched my children worship last evening. But I remember learning to pray, and this was the prayer that I never had to pray, but my dad prayed. I heard his heart break over and over and over again at an altar. God, save my daddy. Save my daddy. Save my daddy. My grandfather was in his 50s at this point. Save my daddy. Save my daddy. He would cry out to God, save my daddy. And one day my dad was out knocking on doors in Dorval, Georgia. It's right there near the perimeter telling people about Jesus. At the exact moments, wow, but at the exact moment that he was doing this, this is what it seemed like. Somebody walked up to my grandfather's door and did that in Livonia, Georgia, an hour and a half away, and said, Mr. Charles, God sent me here to tell you about Jesus. And that old rough moonshiner broke and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. God's looking for somebody who will get in an altar and they'll cry out for their family and they'll be busy telling somebody else's family so that the presence of God might move from where he's been kept right into our lives. That can't happen if you back down when the battle starts. You should step up and pray more. Bow your heads over this morning. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.